0: The following for the city sermon is from our sermon series by Pastor Scott Rising entitled Feast for Failures from the book of Luke. We hope you enjoy it. We're going to continue in the gospel of Luke, a feast for failures. And and here, listen, two weeks ago we were in the sermon series and we took some time to unpack um, what caused Jesus to rejoice, right? Right? The reason I keep bringing this up is because today we're going to hear about Martha and Mary. And you might make the mistake of thinking, new scene, new thing. And actually, it is kind of, but it's very much connected to everything that's happening in Luke 10. Okay, And I want you to see that because I think, once again, it helps you to understand who Christ is more when we can understand these aren't all just disjointed stories. It's one story that Luke's telling to this O Theophilus, right? But also to us so that we might believe. So that we might have confidence in this good news that we do believe by faith, but that our faith and our trust and our dependence upon God would grow as we see just how truly spectacular this story really is. It's real history, but it's good news, it's great news of good great awesome joy and this Jesus rejoiced and listen to what he rejoiced at I thank you father lord of heaven and earth that you have hidden these things spiritual truths uh, the plan of salvation you've hidden that from the wise and understanding and you have revealed them to little children father this was your gracious will so last week we were introduced to this bible lawyer right and And it was the story of the the Good Samaritan. And this was an example of the wise and understanding. He was seeking to earn eternal life. He was seeking to justify himself. And, And Jesus could see all that going on in his heart. And so he starts to tell him a story. And he still can't see. Now maybe he did see. We'll find out. Maybe he's in heaven and we'll get to meet him one day. But he couldn't see then. But now we're going to be introduced to Martha and Mary. and and by the way these are a picture of the little children the little children who can see all right you're like i thought they were grown women they are grown women little children right just means humble needy dependent can't do anything unless the lord reveals it to them and they see and so they've been given revelation let's pick it up so we're in luke 10 38 And listen as it says, Now, as they went on their way, so the disciples are on their way, Jesus entered a village, and a woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. (laughs) Now, I don't want you to think, like, they're just walking through, you know, South Greensburg, and people are just opening their doors and saying, Would you like a sandwich? Remember, in chapter 10, the disciples, the 72, went out. And when they went out, one of the things that they were doing were they were seeking to find people of peace, people who would open their homes, open their hearts with hospitality because Jesus and the entourage is coming. And they're going to need a sandwich. And they're going to need a place to lay their head. They're going to need a place to relax. They need some respite, okay? And so it appears that these ladies, right, Martha and Mary, Martha's home, They were a part of this plan, and they said, yes, we would gladly open our home to this rabbi, to this Jesus, and to his people. And so there they go, right? She's really a picture of grace here. And and I mean Martha. (laughs) So many times, Martha gets a bad rap. We need Marthas. (laughs) We really do. Or nothing gets done. Um, Martha is a picture of grace. Why do I say that? Because she warmly welcomes Jesus and the disciples in. And she, she no doubt knows this man's wearied from his travels, right? And she just jumps into action with love and hospitality. And I say a picture of grace because she's fulfilling the commands in Romans before Romans is written by Paul, right? What do I mean by that? Well, Romans 12, 13 says, contribute to the needs of the saints, that's all believers, and seek to show hospitality. She's showing hospitality. Hospitality, by the way, is not entertaining people you want approval from that's called entertaining hospitality is really love of stranger love of stranger that's really at at the heart of hospitality in the gospels in the bible it's 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 opening your home to people and basically saying your family it's welcoming them in okay so she's doing that and and often like i said martha gets a bad rap but scripture is very clear maybe not in this little picture but in the totality of Scripture, Martha loves Jesus, and Jesus loves Martha. Um, I can't get into it all. Read John eleven, right? You'll see it. She's a little spicy, but she definitely loves the Lord, and the Lord definitely loves her. And she's using her gifts to serve others as a good steward of God's varied grace, as First Peter would say. Okay, so she just invites him in. But look, it continues the story, and, and picture what's happening here. And she had a sister called Mary who sat at the lord's feet and listened to his teaching now that may not convey a lot to you but it actually does convey a lot to sit at a rabbi's feet was to be under their teaching it's a picture it's a place for a disciple a student a learner essentially an apprentice of jesus now, if you look at the title of the sermon, it's, it says a woman's place is dot, dot, dot. Let me fill in the dot, 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 because some of you might get a little nervous. You're like, ugh, right? The patriarchy. OK, listen, <laughs> a woman's place, a woman's place is at the feet of Christ worshiping. It's a disciple. That's a man's place, too, in case you're wondering. Right. It, it's, it's to be a worshiper of, of King Jesus. This is the place of the woman. But can I tell you right now, that would not have been the cultural norm at that time at all I mean I don't want you to think I'm exaggerating so I've got quotes from rabbis at that time I think we don't actually understand the fact that that statement we just read in verse 39 that she's sitting at the Lord's feet listening to his teaching is profound you could just go right past it but we shouldn't so teaching women at that time for a rabbi was not forbidden. It actually was not forbidden, but can I tell you right now, it was certainly not encouraged. It was certainly not encouraged, and, and almost nobody did it. I would want to say nobody, but I don't know that to be true, so I don't want to say that. But 99.9 carried that nine out a long time, and that's how many people would not do that. And, and so one commentary writer says this, the extraordinary feature of this text is that the pupil is a woman. Judaism did not forbid women to be instructed by the Torah. The Torah was the first five books of the Bible. But it, it was very unusual for a rabbi, listen, to lower himself to this. Okay, Now, even now, if you were to go to Israel, okay, and you come to this place called the Wailing Wall, and the Wailing Wall... Long story. Jews can't get up to where the temple was. There's no temple there. It's called Temple Mount. You cannot go there if you're a Jew. The closest place you can get to that holy place is what they call the Wailing Wall. And, the, and if you go there right now, right, it's going to take you a while to get there, like 18 hours, and that's if you're flying right now. But you would see people just praying, wailing, praying, wailing. They would put a lot of written prayers into the wall. Uh, I was there one time and, and man, these, these folks like to party actually. And so they would have like scrolls that look like the Stanley Cup, okay? And they're dancing around and doing all these crazy things and it's awesome. I'm like, we need to learn from you and how to worship and enjoy. But right now, I'm telling you, there's a separation between men and women. There's a woman's corridor. There's a men's corridor. And I can't get into all the reasons why that is, but you need to understand that this still happens right now. So Jesus is very revolutionary when he comes in and he's teaching women. Men and women did not intermingle, even at times in the home. As one writer says, women only crossed into the male world to wait on men, then retreated. Listen, unless they were elderly or prostitutes. Hmm. Later, rabbinic tradition includes quotations as, may the words of the Torah, first five books of the Bible, be burned. They should not be handed over to women. And the man who teaches his daughter the Torah teaches her extravagance. Now, before you think, oh, what a great dad, he means waste. You're wasting your time to teach a woman the Bible. Now, that's wild. And it's far from the heart of God. How do we know? Because Jesus is God. And He's coming to correct this misunderstanding. So why is this important to drive this point home? Well, here's, here's a couple. One, we need to see that both of these women... Martha and Mary are examples of the little children who have been given this revelation. God delighted to reveal His Son to them. He delighted to do that. He, He was overjoyed to do that. Two, clearly Jesus rejected such unbiblical, regressive attitudes outright. He just rejected it. He's teaching women. He had women disciples. He had many women disciples. Just read the Gospels. You'll see their names all over the place. So it's very important to know that. And here's why it's also important to know that, because some churches actually still hold to that kind of thinking. And and I want you to know, but that's not a biblical thought. It's not a biblical thought in the sense that anywhere the gospel of grace goes, I want you to tell, I want to tell you right now, human rights always go up. It's such a cultural lie to say that wherever the gospel goes, the church goes, repression happens. That's just... The gospel sets people free. Now, sometimes people want to say sets us free to sin. It, it doesn't do that, because that's not freedom. That's slavery. But what it does is it raises the bar of who, who humans really are. Because the world looks at uh, at humans as how we do things, but your value doesn't come from your job, your role, your whether you're a mom, whether you're a dad, whether you're any of those things. But whose you are, you're made in God's image, therefore you have intrinsic value, therefore you have absolute value. Men and women are created in God's image, therefore we have equal value. Equal opportunity to the throne room of grace. Men aren't better than women, and and this needs to be said, women aren't better than men. Because a lot of times right now, it's, it's like we're oversteering. And that's just neither of those are accurate. But but know this: the place of a woman in the first century world in Judaism at large was well documented, and it was frequently understood that women were second-class citizens of that time. Which is sad. But Jesus' regard for women was much different than the leaders of that time. Jesus' approach to women was very countercultural for that time. As a matter of fact, it got him in a lot of hot water. For Christ, women have intrinsic value men have intrinsic value equal right in the beginning this isn't like jesus didn't change god's mind i don't ever want you to think that i think we have this misunderstanding there's the old testament god he's kind of grumpy and frumpy he's a boomer by the way i don't think boomers are grumpy or frumpy, but that's what we think of and then he grew up by getting younger and now he's a hipster jesus And he's changed his mind. Wrong. Wrong. In the beginning, the Creator made them male and female. In His image, He made them. He made them. Therefore, you have value. Women are created in the image of God just as men. Women. We, listen, men and women, listen, have self-awareness. You think, my dog does Your dog really doesn't. Personal freedom. Self-determination personal responsibilities for our actions there's no other creature in all of creation that is like a human you can laugh you can abstract right you can reason you you can do things that the animal world cannot do and there's a reason for that you're made in god's image oh we've misunderstood this if if the world could embrace that truth even that truth alone much of what plagues us would go away racism it's it's disgusting right there's one race it's called the human race but there's also this beauty that god has created and there are distinctions within that and and we shouldn't say well we're all just one race don't talk about racism no there's things to be embraced when it comes to how someone's wired and their nationality and who they how they come from but at the end of the day every human being has value because every human being has been made in the image of god And you're like, where are you getting that from the text? I'm telling you that women in that time would never have been valued. They would have been dehumanized. And Jesus is fixing our thinking by looking at this text. Jesus is demonstrating that the highest regard for women in both his life and his ministry... The question becomes: Is does does the church embrace it that way? And we'll, we'll get to this in a minute. But he recognizes the intrinsic value of humans because he loves all humans, all humans, every one of them. Loves them. Now he doesn't love the way you might want him to love. See, Jesus valued women's friendship. Their prayers, their service, their financial support, their testimony, their witness. He honored women. He taught women. He ministered to women in thoughtful ways. And therefore, the church ought to resemble that heart. Right? Because we want to look like our Savior. We want to be a people who who image Him. We want to get back to to what was lost at the fall in so many ways. And, And that's what it means. Now, can't get into all this but know this we may have different roles but we have equal value and what I'm I so want to get into that um I can't We'll, we'll never get out of here but let me say this you may have not had a mom and a dad in the home and for that I'm sorry mom might have died dad might have died dad might have left mom might have left maybe mom and dad neither of them were in the picture but here's what I want you to know We can make the mistake of thinking a child doesn't need a mom and a dad, and that's just wrong thinking. That's not how God designed it. Listen, now, if you never had a dad, I'm not saying God's grace can't overcome that. If you didn't have a mom in your life present, God's grace can't overcome that. It really, He really can. But if all is working well, that's the picture, okay? And so if you're like, oh, I left a, a relationship and divorced, listen, grace for you, sister, grace for you, brother. I'm not saying that, but what I want you to know is too many times within our culture, people will say to men, you need to get in touch with your feminine side. I don't have a feminine side. I'm not trying to be rude. I'm not trying to be crass. I'm trying to correct thinking that is out of whack with Bible. Okay, I do not have a feminine side any more than ladies, you have a masculine side. And we shouldn't be ashamed of that. We embrace the truth of God's Word, but we don't have to be rude about it. Okay, we do not have to be. You can be a woman who's feminine and really good at sports and kick my butt at most things named Holly. <laughs> and, and just embrace that you're, she's a woman, and she is, but she's a really great athlete of a woman. And that's Okay. Right, But this whole cultural thinking is so upside down, it doesn't make sense, and you should reject it kindly. Because here is the deal. At the end of the day, a child needs a mother and a father. And we are different. And we have different roles in parenting and in life. And and so if that's true of the family, the nucleus family, guess where else it's true? The church family. And we shouldn't be ashamed of that. If you ever make the mistake of thinking I'm somehow more valuable because I teach the Bible, you don't understand the Bible you want me to teach. I'm just a guy who gets to do this. Now, I'm, I'm thankful to do this, but I'm not more important than anyone else in this room, and neither are you, because our value doesn't come from our role. Oh man, we should embrace this. Our value comes from the fact that we're made in the image of God. I'm his son by faith alone. And you, son, daughter, if you're trusting in Jesus, it's by faith alone. We rejoice in that. Remember, that's in this chapter. We rejoice in that. Okay? That was a long rabbit trail. Back to the text. 1040. But Martha was distracted by much serving. And she went up to him. Now remember mary's sitting at the feet of jesus martha she's she's welcoming everyone in and she's distracted it says by much serving and she went up to jesus and she said lord do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone tell her to, then to help me and i don't know how she said this right i i want to read it with a certain like tone but i shouldn't but but here's the deal. While Mary's hanging on to every word of Jesus that he's teaching, Martha actually has a word for Jesus. Do you see that? She's like, like, there's some serious heat in this kitchen. Have you ever been in a kitchen like that? I, I should never point my wife out so much. Um, but... There's times where she, she, she cooks with a lot of flavor. We had a Cuban meal last night that was unbelievably good, right? And, and, but, but she cooks with as much flavor as she has in herself. She's a spicy lady. Martha is a spicy lady, right? You can probably hear some pots and pans. They didn't have pots and pans. They had clay, right? But they're clanging. Some cupboard doors getting slammed. She's frustrated. You ever been there? Oh, I just saw somebody smile and laugh like I've been there, right? She like gave me an amen, and it was quiet, but it was an amen, like i here i am cooking all this food right you got the head going everyone else is just watching the football game it's thanksgiving dinner nobody's helping me nobody cares Ah! you ever been there that's where because that's exactly exactly where martha is she's from the south side of the kingdom right she's getting very frustrated with her sister right? Who's just, no doubt Martha's the older one, Mary's the younger one, I'm doing all the work, you're in there just chilling out, must be nice, I'd like to hear some teaching. She's a little annoyed at Mary, but she's also a little annoyed at Jesus. She thinks Jesus needs a little help in his leadership. (laughs) She is spicy, I love this girl, right? And so, she says, Lord, tell her to get in here and help me tell her where her place is it's exactly what she's saying i know alexis i, I feel it i feel that too but verse 41 says but the lord answered her now, and i can tell you right now i don't know how he said this but i have to imagine it was this with a smile and kindness and gentle martha martha he really is i mean he's so kind He's not, Martha, Martha! All right, he's, not, he's not whoever you're thinking of. He has tender care. He, says, he doesn't say this, but I hear it. Sweetie, you're anxious and troubled about many things. What are those many things? Well, one, if she was just happily serving, by the way, not talking about this, I don't think Jesus would ever tell her to get in here and listen up. I don't think the problem was that she was serving in that moment. I think the problem was she was... Concerned about how Mary wasn't doing exactly what she wanted. Oh, see, anxiousness and trouble comes because you can't control the situation. Oh, Jesus got some words for us in chapter eleven. Hang in there, and twelve. She's anxious because she can't control Mary. Why isn't she serving the way I'm serving? Do you see how I'm serving? Why isn't she in here doing something? Jesus, tell her to get in here oh, Martha, Martha, you're so... Honey, you're anxious. You're worried. You're troubled about so many things. But he says, but one thing's necessary. One thing's necessary. Listen, Mary has chosen, listen, the good portion. Means she chose the better meal. Oh, I like that. He's so good, right? She chose the better meal, which will not be taken away from her. We can get... so many people say, yeah, so be like Mary and not like Martha. We need people to make sandwiches too. But worship while you make a sandwich. It's not so. It's not be the one who sits at Jesus' feet and do nothing, not like Martha. It's not that at all. But if you're going to serve, serve with joy. And don't worry about how someone else isn't serving the way you want them to serve. See, that's the point that Jesus is driving home. And, and he's also driving home, you know, Martha, you need served. See, Martha had hoped that Jesus would pry Mary from the floor, shoo her back in the kitchen where she belongs. I don't think that, Alexis. Right? But it's safe to say that Martha would not, she, Martha would not be held up by the feminist today as someone to be admired. Like, quit telling Mary what to do. But she's, she's like, I need help, Jesus. Why aren't you helping me? And he is. Oh, he is. He's a good shepherd. He's gently correcting Martha by redirecting her to the one thing that's necessary. I don't know. Was she making seven casseroles? You don't need to do all that, honey. Just, right, just get a Hot Pocket. We'll share. I, I can turn kids' Lunchables into things that feed 7,000 people. We got this, okay? Just receive. Just, you have to receive. She's not serving out of the overflow of her worship in so many ways, she's, just, she's trying to worship in that way. To get approval and acceptance. And Jesus sees that and He, he just kindly redirects her. He reminds her what's, what's important. See, don't get Martha wrong. It's not as though she didn't think that there's ever a time that she should sit down and receive something. But it's not right now and it's not this minute. We've got things to do. And now let me ask you, how many of us approach hearing Jesus in that way? I'm in this with you. Don't think it's like, ooh. right? We'll sit and receive what Jesus has for us when all the other things are done. When i got some time. When I'm done binging my Netflix series. When I'm done mowing the grass. When all the things in life are accomplished. Okay, I'm still a young guy. I'm 47, but let me tell you, I've been working at getting these things accomplished. They're never accomplished not completely, not fully. And if you wait to spend time with your Savior till all your things are done, you're never going to spend time with your Savior. So whistle while you work. I love listening to podcasts while I mow. I I, I just like to get truth in my head while I'm doing these things, right? But there is a time then you just got to sit down and enjoy a sweet tea and contemplate what you're hearing. And and they're not doing that. See, so many of us, uh, for a moment, let's Set aside Martha and Mary, and let's talk about us. We spend our days running around like chickens with our heads cut off. And, and how do I know? Because, well, I know me, but I also know humanity in so many ways. Many people are anxious and troubled. By the way, anger often hides itself in, in anxiety. So you ever experienced some road rage or some people that are blowing their horn because the light literally just turned green one second ago and I'm not moving? me too i've probably blown the horn too i know brian i'm in there with you bud (laughs) right we're consumed with so many things but really what we're consumed with is ourselves as though the world should just go exactly the way we want it to so that no one will upset me king scott why aren't my peasants and my servants moving when it's green and 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 why isn't everyone obeying my command as though i'm god why isn't this person doing and and by the way you do it too And it's because I think so many times we're just consumed with all the things that need to get done. Because, listen, after all, in America especially, life presents us with like a smorgasbord of opportunities to be busy with that are good. Even, ready, church life. (laughs) I mean, we're without a question a society of doers. Just do it get it done roll up your sleeves it's like john wayne theology right pull yourselves up by your bootstraps boy and 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 man it gets in there i mean ever since the enlightenment we've been told a thousand times and in a thousand different ways that accomplishment precedes acceptance i got the degree now i've arrived i got the job now I've arrived. i got the promotion of the job. Now I've arrived. i got the girl. i got the guy. All these things, and now we've arrived. That, that achievement precedes approval. I get my approval because of my accomplishments and the things that I've done. And, and, and so because we all long for affirmation, every one of us long for it. Listen, we long for it. We set out to prove ourselves by working to get it anyone i mean my goodness you people are quiet can i get an amen not 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 me but to the truth of that okay here's the thing though this isn't just a people out there problem it's not just a people out there problem it's not just a them problem this is rampant within the church And when I say the church, I don't mean for the city, although I'm sure we're creating bad habits right now that we're going to look back on and ask for forgiveness. But it is a real problem within the American evangelical church. We have absorbed this mentality to a fault. The church has helped to promote it in so many ways. I used to go to conferences. It was all about doing better, striving harder, preaching longer. Just be the church! (laughs) Oh my Lord. It, It was awful. And it's taken a, a huge toll into their relationship with Jesus and their understanding of walking with Christ. Be more, achieve more, plant more, do more, get it done. This is not a new phenomenon, by the way, okay? How do I know? Because in John 6, 28, some people ask Jesus, what must we do to be doing the works that God requires? You want to hear something revolutionary? Jesus says this, the works of God is this. Ready? To believe in the one he has sent. <laughs> okay, what else? <laughs> That's it. To believe in the one he has sent. He's saying to trust Jesus. Surely we have to do more. Be- believe me. Just believe in me. Just believe in me. Have faith in me. Well, then we don't do anything? Hold on, we'll get there. We're not there yet, though, because I want to keep on just teasing this out a little bit, right? Right? So so we hear that and we say but surely there has to be something more to do we are so much like martha in so many ways right um we always feel like we have to be doing something more uh, we're totally on her side if we could be honest when she asked jesus to to tell mary to get up and get busy right right we're like that we can't sit still achieving not receiving has been the mark of spiritual maturity. And I know, because ever since the pandemic, the Lord has been kicking my booty on this. He really has. I mean, seriously, I used to always be in a hurry, trying to achieve the next thing. I am the guy who slams the flag on the heel and says, now let's get it. That's me. I'm trying to have me continually crucified so I can be more like Christ. But that's at my heart. And boy, I've drugged my family along for it at times. I've drugged my friends along for it at times. But during the pandemic, everything, if you remember, just kind of ceased. For a season. And I realized, oh, when's the last time I've sat and received? Of course I was studying my Bible. I was a pastor for Pete's sakes. But when's the last time I just sat and received? Not to teach. Not to share truth. But just, I mean, I just spent time with the Lord. I just was reminded of his goodness. I was just comforted by the grace that he has for me. It had been a while. Uh, to the point, here's how I knew it. When people would ask me, hey, Pastor Scott, how you doing? That's, that's what happens. I hate small talk, by the way. If you hang out with me long enough, I like to go deep. I don't have time for chit chat. I do it, but I always hate it, right? How you doing, right? I'm like, and here's what I would always say, ready? I'm busy. I'm so busy. Just so busy. As though this was like a badge to wear and to be excited about instead of an opportunity to repent. Here's the great truth that you all need to embrace but don't. When you die, the world will still go on and it never needed you. It just doesn't. You could drop today. I'm going to eat ice cream tonight. And if I drop today, someone else somewhere else will eat ice cream. Oh, our understanding of self-importance has really just plagued us. It's a curse. It's a curse. See, church busyness and busyness in general, but church busyness may fulfill our egos. But here's what I've learned. It It empties us of joy and strength. And so, man, thankfully the Lord just brought repentance to my house before we ever planted the church. And, and i got to tell you, if you're here long enough, you're going to realize we work hard not to busy your schedule with church things. And everybody's like, when are we going to do more programs? Maybe never. I'll die eventually. Someone else will come in. They might have a different idea. The reason we don't do that is because we don't want to busy with things to just basically have this little cute group to hang out with where it's all clean and everybody just, how are you doing? Oh, I'm doing well, sis. i just, you know, having a bad hair day. Like, okay, it's, if you can be real, it would be worse than that. You could barely pry yourself out of bed because you're depressed. Could we just be honest? But but I don't want to busy you with that kind of nonsense because I want people in this city to know that there's a God who loves them. And so what I want to do is just keep teaching, preaching the Word of God, praying the Holy Spirit reveals truth to you, transforms your heart so that the people that you interact with in your everyday stuff of life of work of school of play of food all these things that they might come in contact with people that say that person's different and you could say yeah because i've met the happy god who loves to save sinners and they say i never heard about this god heard about other gods who's this god and you could say i'd love to tell you about him and so By God's grace, I'm slowly continuing to walk a life of repentance and faith because it still creeps in. I go to a little conference and I'm like, yeah, I got to come back and do these seven things. Plant more churches. If God never grows this church, then so be it. I just want to be faithful to his call. Okay, But if you do that, most often he grows his church. Why? Because he just loves to show off like that. And He loves to save people. But here's the deal. As with any other relationship, our relationship with Jesus is based on spending time with Him. And I do not say that as a guilt-driven motivation to spend time with Jesus. Spend time with Him. We, we, We do that, listen, not primarily by serving Him. Now, we do serve Him. But we do that by letting Him serve us by getting to know Him through His Word and so many times he serves us in profound ways in that time where we just sit and receive he's working things out in our heart and in our mind that we don't even know need worked out and he's showing us oh and you can just imagine your name here i'll imagine my name martha martha you're so anxious and troubled about so many things but one thing's necessary just just receive this good news i got you if, if you could trust me with your, your eternity and your salvation, do you think I can see the concern you have about your schooling, about your kids, about your retirement, about your health, about, oh, Martha, Martha, it's okay. I've got you. And with that in mind, Martin Luther says this, he said, to be convinced in our hearts that we have forgiveness of sins and peace with God by grace alone, is the hardest thing. That is so true. It's like mission impossible. Because apart from the Holy Spirit, you can't believe it. You can't believe it. But that's what we need. See, the hardest thing to do as believers of Christ is just simply sit down and receive. And I don't mean sit down physically. You might need to do that. But I mean, it's just, just slow down. Settle your pace and receive something from your Savior good news what that he delighted to save you that he loves you that he enjoys you that that he sings over you as Zephaniah tells us that he's happy that he's delighted that you want to be with him and he wants to be with you how do I know because he sent his son to make sure there would be a way that you can enjoy life with him forever and it's abundant life it's not kind of like half cock life it's like ooh, this is boring no he's the God who created pleasure and He loves you. And you think, i got to do something else to make you love me more. He loved you while you were a weak, ungodly sinner. He sent His Son to die for you. And if He would send His Son to die for you while you were a weak, ungodly sinner, how much more might He love you now that you're His? So much more. And so, we should just be so eager to want to sit and receive from this God because it's, He's got good news. And even His corrections, good news. His commandments are good news. Every commandment that he has is for our ultimate joy. You think if if, when we sin, listen, in that moment, what we're believing is that we're believing that God's keeping us from joy. That's the lie you believe when you sin. That He's keeping me from happiness. He's keeping me from joy. If God really loved me, He would let me, and you can fill in the blank. You're believing the lie satan has come to steal to kill and destroy and he does that by presenting himself as an angel of light and telling you god doesn't actually want you to be happy i know the way to happiness and it's this way well that's not what jesus said i know follow me and we do and we do and it leads to death destruction and ultimately destruction forever in a real place called hell and that's where he leads you and and he's not dragging you You're like, oh, I love rotten breadcrumbs. And Jesus says, I've come that you might have life, have life abundantly. Here's real living water. Trust me. And it's the hardest thing to believe in that moment. That he loves you. that The forgiveness of sins, the peace with God is by grace alone. It's a gift. You don't have to do anything else. You can't do anything except receive. We're saved by grace alone, through faith alone, and Christ alone. You can't do anything. Which is why Michael Horton, not who Horton here's who, wrote a book, and, and the book is called The Gospel Driven Life, and here's one of the chapters. And if you could just get this, it might change your life. Don't just do something. Sit there. You're like, but I have to make my bed in the morning. Okay, make your bed. That's not the point. I like toast with peanut butter. It's not going to make itself. Get it. He's saying receive. He's saying receive. And you can receive while you make peanut butter toast. See, beautiful homes, listen, I like them. Well manicured lawns, love them. Diversified retirement plan, don't know what it is. You guys better take care of me, I'm just kidding. (laughs) The Lord will care for me. Will not endure past the grave. just won't care how many times you mow it weeds are going to grow again but your relationship with christ through his words now and one day face to face one day sooner than you can imagine can never be taken from you it's a gift you just receive it by grace but here's the deal way too many people are drawn to to to-do lists little snippets from tiktok and from instagram that basically give us trite fake good news about christianity instead of the declaration that it's finished we wrongly think that we need to do more and help jesus get it done than simply trust in the finished work of christ that he's completed in our place how do i know well we want to be told what to do i'm talking christians we want to be told what to do. And by the way, there's a place for application. There really is, I promise you. Jesus is going to have some, He's already had some serious application for us. But application is not necessarily wrong, but can I just tell you, it's, the Bible is filled with application, but I'm talking too many times, we want extra biblical application. Let me tell you what I mean by that. Seven ways to have a better marriage. Six minute abs. <laughs> that don't work, let's just be real. Here's the title of a book, and you might even like the book. I'm not knocking the book, I'm knocking the title. Have a new kid by Friday. What a joke. How to change your kid's attitude, behavior, and character in five days. If that was real, that guy would be the richest man ever, and we'd have the most well-behaved kids in the world. Four ways to have the friends you've always wanted. Three ways to diversify your portfolio, and on and on. And we want, tell us just how to do it. And we want that with our relationship with God. And he said, listen, ready? It's so crazy. I already did it. I did it. It's it's finished. Trust me. Believe me. Now, doing overflows from that belief. But being always has to come before doing. And oh, how many times Christians and people, we just get it reversed. We just keep trying to get a love we already have. The, pro- the problem with making our walk with Jesus all about what we do is we often fail to trust what the Holy Spirit's actually doing in the life of a believer through pain and suffering. You ever heard this phrase? W.W. J.D. JD. What would Jesus do? I hate that saying. I used to not say that in church because I always get in trouble. There are going to be people who might talk to me about this after the service. I'm welcoming the invitation, but let's do it over a burger and let's be friendly. The reason I don't like it is because I don't think that articulates the gospel all that well. I'm not saying there's not a time for it, but actually it's what did Jesus do first? First. And then here's the next question that should flow from that thought. What's Jesus doing right now? Because he's still actively at work in you. By the power of the Holy Spirit. And so, He's, he's, he's doing a, a thing in you. And, and many times, what Jesus would do doesn't make sense to us. And so you won't do it anyway. Unless He does something here. He, he might want to do something profound in you, like you sell all your stuff and go be a missionary in a place where they don't have the Gospel, and you just cash in all your retirement so that no one has to fund you, and you can go bring the Gospel to a people that don't have it. <gasps> but you're not going to see that in a text but he also might want you to diversify your plan and, and, and be good stewards of your money and stay exactly where you're at. We don't always know what Jesus would do, but we do know what he did do. And we read that in the Bible, and then we sit and we receive and say, Jesus, what are you doing right now in my life? It made absolutely no sense for seven of us to just say, let's move to Greensburg and plant a church when no one wants to gather. We didn't do that. We did that. But we did that by sitting and receiving and just saying, how can we not go? Well, it's a pandemic, bud. That might be a really bad mistake. No, he did that. Why? Because there was a pandemic was so perfect timing for us to sit and receive and say, our lives are short. Let's go. And that came from sitting and receiving. And it didn't come from asking what Jesus would do. It's saying, Jesus, what have you done and what are you doing? he's saving people he's revealing truth he's good i can't imagine not knowing you not being loved by you not having a chance to love you i'm glad we came don't regret it but there's days i do so i'm so thankful he said let's go and we followed i have like a whole bunch more i want to say we haven't got to the point and i'm out of time ready for the point it's okay. It really is. Here's the point Gospel ministry does not consist in what we in our busyness can give Jesus, but in receiving what he delights to provide us, namely his word and his spirit. See, it's important to remember that the real application that defines us as Christians and as followers of Christ is the application of Christ's work to us by the power of Spirit, not our work for Jesus. That's good news. Because what that means is, if you're trusting in Jesus, you're fully forgiven. All your past, present, and future sins, even the ones you're doing right now, not only that, but you're fully righteous because you have his work in your place so where you've perfectly failed every step of the way he's perfectly obeyed every step of the way and he takes your record nails it to a cross puts it in a grave resurrects from the grave and if you're trusting in jesus you resurrect with him by faith to be a new creation the old has passed away behold the new has come and guess what he maintains his perfect righteousness forever and you just receive you just receive and you're like well what do we do can i just tell you right now if you get what i'm talking about doing takes care of itself so we're not gonna talk about do not today we'll get there someday jesus did not come to be served he came to serve us jesus did not come because he needed us he came because we needed him i'm going to read oh man this is such a good point we're going to we'll carry that over somewhere else listen to this quote and then let's pray ready how do you glorify a water fountain john piper asked (laughs) i love that question he says come thirsty and drink Jesus is not glorified by our doing things for Him. He is glorified by our resting and receiving what He's done for us. <laughs> That's good news. That's good news. I'm not going to end with a John Piper quote because he's not Jesus. I'm going to end with Matthew 11:28 through30. And then we will pray. Jesus says, "Come to me and listen. All who labor. You weary? You tired of trying to be the cool kid in school? The cool adult at work? The neighbor who's got the best lawn? The mom who does everything just right? The dad who just, I mean, it just goes on and on. Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden. And listen, there's a promise. Jesus says, I will give you rest. I'll give you rest. He says, Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. Sit at his feet, learn from him. He says, Because I am gentle. Listen to how he describes himself. He says, I'm gentle. The world's cruel. Jesus says, I'm gentle. And I'm lowly in heart. And you'll find rest for your souls. My yoke is easy. My burden is light. Just come. Just come. Let's pray. Father, thank you for sending Jesus. Thank you for sending Jesus who... He's everything we need. He's our Savior. He's our King. He's our friend. He's our treasure. He's our hope. He's our happiness. He's our guide. He's our comforter. He's our counselor. He's our protector. He is our wisdom. He's our advocate. He's our strength. He's all in all, everything we need. Lord, help us believe. Lord, we desperately need you. We love you. What we're asking today is that you would serve us. That you would serve us that truth. And that you would give us the grace to believe it. We ask these things in Christ's name. Amen. Thanks for listening to this sermon. If you found it helpful, we encourage you to enjoy more of our sermons, find out more information about For the City, or how to partner with us through prayer and giving at www.forthecity.church. For the city exists of magnified Jesus by making disciples who share and show the transforming power of the gospel and plant churches that multiply."